Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou thy dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. I want to talk to you about this, this moment, a very important passage and what it means to uh, the gospel of Matthew, what it means to us. And so I want, just want to title this, The Process. Um, the Process. Uh, can you lay your Bibles down and can you lift up your hands with expectation and let's ask God to have his way. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you have done today. I thank you for the breakthrough uh, that I feel in this house. I thank you for the hunger that I feel in this house. Lord, let lives be changed. Let people be touched by the anointing. Let us be connected to your spirit like we've never been connected before. Guide my words. Guide my thoughts. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you clap your hands to the Lord? Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The process. Anything worth having is worth going through something for. You cannot get the promise and you cannot achieve your destiny without process. Process is critical to development. You escape the process, you escape your promise. You escape the process, you escape everything good that God has intended for you. Everything good comes with a process. You escape pain, will you escape power? You escape failure, will you escape future? 
Because failure is an integral part to success. No one that has ever done anything good in the world or good for God has done it without failure or without a process of development. And before Jesus could be released into his ministry, the first thing that he had to encounter was process. Even God would not exempt himself from process. God himself would not exempt himself from pain because he understood that it was critical to achieving everything that he needed to achieve for mankind. And one of the valleys, one of the places that God brings people that are chosen, he brings them first to the wilderness. And I'm sorry, we do not like the wilderness. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't like being dehydrated. Uh, the wilderness is not a fun place, but it is a place that transformation happens. Anytime you encounter a wilderness, it means that God is an extending an invitation to you to come up another level. Anytime you go through a season of loneliness, a season of heartbreak, a season of despair, don't get down, understand that God is inviting you to a new level. But this is just a part of the process. And when God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt, when he delivered them from Egypt, the Bible says that he would not allow them to go the way of the Philistines. The way of the Philistines, it was a quicker route to the promised land. But he said, I cannot bring you to the Philistines because you're not ready for that battle yet. So he said, I've got to take you the long way. Oh, Lord. How many of y'all don't like the long way? <laughs> he said, now the quickest way is to bring you through the battle now, but you're not equipped for that yet. You don't have the character for that yet. You don't have the strength for that yet. I know it's faster, but it's also a faster way to destruction. So in my love, I'm going to bring you through the wilderness. I, I, oh, we, that's tough, right? Is that tough? In, in my care for you, in my compassion for you, I'm going to bring you through the wilderness. So he wouldn't bring the Israelites through the way of the Philistines, although it was quicker. He said, lest they be afraid of the battle. And he said that, that I'm going to bring you through the wilderness. And in the wilderness, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 8, I want you to put that up there, Deuteronomy 8, verse 1. He says it this way. He says, All the commandments which I command you this day shall you observe to do that ye may live and multiply 
and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Here's why. To humble you and to prove you. Here it is. I brought you through this process to see what was in your heart. Whether you would keep my commandments or no. So he says, before I bring you to the promise, I got to see what's in your heart. And the wilderness reveals what's in your heart. Because what do you do during the waiting period? Oh, it, it looks like y'all all respond good. I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you do when, when there is that frustration of not attaining? And while they were in the wilderness, the Bible says they begin to murmur. They begin to complain. Ooh, Lord. Were you in the wilderness for a while? It's easy to complain. Were you in the process for a while? Come on, sometimes the process lasts six months Six years, it's easy to start complaining. And the problem with murmuring and complaining is they, they said, look, they're in the wilderness. They just got delivered from Egypt. They're in the wilderness. And the first thing they start complaining about is say, hey, we ain't got nothing to eat. And then they started thinking like, hey, man, them cucumbers sound real good in, the, in Egypt. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They'd rather be in chains with cucumbers. Y'all not hearing me right now. L listen, if I'm going to think about something good in Egypt, cucumbers ain't the first thing coming to my mind. I mean, I like cucumbers. Come on, somebody. But, but that ain't what I'm thinking about, you know. I... I, I Give me some sugar bread or something. I mean, if they said sugary bread, then I would understand that. But cucumbers? You see what happens in the wilderness? It starts romanticizing the past. It starts romanticizing your history. Like, oh, if I could just go, if I just had that relationship. I was like, what, the, the person that was beating the daylights out of you? But, but I'm so lonely. See, the wilderness, it, it, it literally means lonesome. It, it literally means wasteland. There, there's no fruit. There's nothing happening. There's no one to console you. So you begin to romanticize when you were in bondage. So if I could just, I remember that. God looking at you like, you was crying, telling me to get you out of that. And a matter of fact, the whole reason that God sent them a deliverer was because they cried out for deliverance. What happens after you cry out for deliverance, but God enters you into a process, now you're crying to go back to what you were delivered from. See, the wilderness begins to reveal what's in your heart. 
if you're going to obey his commandments or not. It is a trying place. It is in that lonesome place that, that God tests you. And the Bible says that they tempted Christ in the wilderness. They tempted God in the wilderness. They kept on trying to make God prove himself. They said, we're hungry. Where God said, you know what? Uh, then I'm going to open the windows of heaven and I'm going to pour out bread from heaven. Manna. Bread from heaven. Every morning they wake up, there's manna on the ground. It's called manna because that, the word manna means what is it? God just started providing stuff they didn't even understand. <laughs> what is it? Some said it tastes like coriander seed. Others said it tastes like honey. I believe it just tasted like whatever they wanted. Just what is it? <laughs> he supplies bread in the wilderness. They said, man, then, then after they supply bread, God, they say, man, you know what? Man, I'm tired of this bread. Bro, it's coming from heaven. See, what happens when the wilderness makes you tired of what comes from heaven? God's like, I'm sustaining you, and you getting tired of being sustained? He said, look, I'm tired of this bread. It feels like a teaching Sunday. I feel like I'm in my teaching anointing this morning. Praise God. I'm about to run in here. <laughs> so he said, I'm tired of this bread. And they said, you know what? Okay, okay. I'm going to give you, I'm going to send an east wind, and you're going to have bread in the morning, and you're going to have quail at night. And they started getting tired of the quail. They started getting tired of the miracles that God was providing. Because the wilderness shows you what's in your heart, and what's in your heart will be revealed through struggle, through pain, and through process, through loneliness. It shows what's really there deep on the inside. And God will bring every one of us into process to see, can you handle the promise? Because God doesn't want you to get lost in the blessings of God. Did you know you could get lost in the blessings of God? Some people, you know, they, they, they come. Uh, I've seen it in, in my travels that they, they will come and, and they, when they come to church, they, they didn't have a job. They didn't have uh, their, their their family was ruined. The kids were messed up. Everything like that. And then, all of a sudden, they start coming to God, and they they they're coming to the altar, and they're praying, and they're hungry for God. And God starts supplying for them, and God supplies them with 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 a wife. Come on, somebody! All the husbands said, "Amen." Supplied them with the wife. Supplied them with with with, with some beautiful kids. Uh, supplied them with with all this stuff, and he, they, God gives them a new job. And as soon as they get a new job, they say, "Hey, I can't I can't come to church no more." I just I just I just God, I love you, but I'm going to see you sometime next year. 
And then, and then what happens? The walk with God starts receding, and it starts, it starts receding, and everything like that. And, and God says, I can't trust you with promise. And, and so what he does is, to get you ready for promise, he brings you through process. Where all you have in the wilderness is not your friends. All you have is God. Come on, somebody. All you have is God and you say, you know what? All I have is God. And so when God gives you the promise, you say, you know, I'm not going to pat myself on the back. I actually, I'm just going to prioritize my relationship with him even more. I'm going to give him whatever he wants, whatever he needs, because it was him that kept me in the valley. It was him that kept me in the storm. It was him that kept me in the brokenness. And I'm not going to exchange anything for my relationship with God. See, it's in the wilderness that you get a conviction. For God, I live and for God, I die. And I am prioritizing his presence over any temporary promise. See, it's in the wilderness that Moses got a hunger in him where he said, listen, he said, don't you God, he said, God, don't bring me into the promise if your presence doesn't go with me. He said, I'd rather be in a wilderness with your presence than be in the promised land without it. He said, more than anything, I can handle the loneliness, but just give me your presence. I can handle the pain and the process. Just give me your presence over everything. Hallelujah. See, it's in the process. It's in the process. It's in the pain like Jacob was in whenever he began to wrestle with the angel. And that angel was wrestling with him. And and, and Jacob finally said, listen, that angel said, turn me loose. Let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob says, listen, I'm not letting go until you bless me. He was limping. That angel touched his thigh. He was limping. He was hurting. He was bruised. He was in the process of transformation but while he was in the process there was a hunger and a desperation that was ignited on the inside of him that says I'm not letting go until you bless me I'm not going to the other side until I've got something supernatural with me I'm not going to the other side until I've seen God face to face it's the process it is the process anyone great is going to go through process David had to go through process rejection from family rejection from his brothers being chased by Saul and all of those things postured him to become a great king of Israel Joseph had to go through process with his brothers hating him being rejected by the brothers being sold into slavery being in Potiphar's house being in the prison being through all of that he had to go through a third 13 year process so he can handle what it was like to be second in command to Pharaoh. See, when you go through process, you don't abuse your authority. You don't abuse your power. You, 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 you want dysfunction? It's when you give somebody the world that ain't been through nothing. Isn't that the truth? You ever worked you ever worked with somebody and like they were they just got hired they don't even know the company you've been there 15 years 20 years all of a sudden they get promoted over you and all of a sudden they just got there they don't even know the company and they barking orders to you 
They, they don't even know the company. You know the company better than them, but they probably go, hey, I, I'm the manager here. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, bro, you ain't been through nothing. You, you haven't been with this company when we were struggling. Huh? You haven't been with this company when, whenever they needed, they needed my sales to help it prosper. You haven't been with this company whenever it was on the bottom. They were about to fire everybody, and we just had to work together to get it through. Now you're just coming, not even knowing the company's history, and you cannot handle that level of power because you haven't been through nothing. Does this make sense? the process that get, trains you and gives you the character to handle to handle the blessing of God somebody clap their hands for a moment I feel the Holy Ghost and so the process is the thing that God uses to prepare you for promise. I want you to look at it with me again in Matthew 4. Mire, mire los niños, por favor. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness. You see, you can be, the wilderness doesn't mean you have wronged God. It doesn't mean you've done something wrong. It doesn't mean you have messed something up. You can be led by the Spirit into a season of loneliness. The Bible says he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. And the Bible says, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the spirit driveth him into the wilderness. Sometimes the spirit will drive you into a wilderness when he's pleased with you. Sometimes the spirit will drive you into a wilderness of isolation and loneliness, not because he's mad at you, but because you graduated. I'm so happy with you. And you're like, God, I don't feel, I don't feel like you're happy. He goes, no, because only the chosen come into the wilderness. Only those I trust come into the wilderness. Only those I want to do something great in and through come into the wilderness. Process is a sign of God's faith in you. It's a sign of God's belief in you. He would have never allowed the wilderness to come if he didn't already put it in you to make it to the other side. And in Deuteronomy 8, he said, I brought you in the wilderness to humble you, to prove you, to see what was in your heart, if you would obey my commandments or no. Look what he says, and to do you good at your latter end. He said, the wilderness is going to make you better. Don't, but the enemy wants to use your wilderness to make you bitter. How easy it is to get bitter in the wilderness. When you waiting and you see other people just getting blessed. 
You still in the wilderness. Y'all entered the wilderness at the same time. <laughs> Their wilderness lasted three days. You're on the third month of your wilderness. And they're looking at you like, what's wrong with you? Come on, somebody. <laughs> it, it, could make you, it, could, it could make you bitter. Jesus had to enter into a 40-day wilderness, fasting 40 days, 40 nights. He's in the wilderness, and the tempter came to him saying, if you are the Son of God. See, that's the first thing that happens in the wilderness. You begin to question your identity. You see, he just heard the voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And the first thing that Satan does is question where God just affirmed him. So God says, you're blessed. You leave, you go through a, a wilderness, and you start wonderful, wondering, am I blessed? God says, I'm about to open doors for you. You walk out of church, and the door closes in your face. And you're like, are you sure? Right? He began to quote, if you're the son of God, mate, command these stones to be made bread. Now, he knows that Jesus is hungry. Anybody here ever fasted 40 days? Oh, come on, somebody. We got one. There's one. There's a remnant. You see, I didn't raise my hand. I didn't fast 40 days. I, fa I fast. I haven't got to that level yet. You know, being, being raised in Louisiana with some of the best food in the world, it's, uh, it's one of those, uh, <laughs> it's one of those, amen, amen. It's, uh, I, I told someone, I was in Louisiana, I had to do a conference. I told them, I said, listen, I believe somewhere in heaven there's a calculating system that in Louisiana, if you can fast, if you fast one day in heaven, that's equal to a 21-day fast. That gumbo's so good, y'all. Y'all not hearing me out there. To say no to that, God's like. <laughs> And so he does 40 days, and he says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Here was the first test in the wilderness that was given. Here it is. Use your power to please yourself. See, Jesus is there to die for the sins of the world. And the power is to do miracles, signs, and wonders to cultivate a belief in him. He's going to pour out his spirit. People are going to be baptized in his name. But the test that was presented in the wilderness was use your anointing and use your power for your own agenda. Not for the kingdom's agenda, but to enrich self. Isn't that what the culture does to us? 
When we're in the wilderness, the devil starts saying, bro, why are you going through this? Come on, man. You could, dude, you got some, you got some gifts. You got to do something for yourself. Stop, stop being a blessing to everybody. You love too much. Come on, somebody. Oh, it's getting real in here. It's quiet, praise God. You, you love too much. You're too kind. You're too, you're too giving. Everybody takes advantage of you. Come on, enrich yourself. Use your authority to build your own kingdom, not the kingdom that God wants. And man, I tell you what, when you're hungry and when you're battling and when you're lonely, it's tough. But Jesus had to be tempted here because Jesus would pass the test that Israel failed in their wilderness. This is what Jesus is. Matthew is presenting him as the new Moses. And, and, and what he is presenting is that, that I'm going to pass the test that Israel failed in the wilderness. So Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He said, he said, listen, I, I, I am not surviving off of temporary needs. I'm, I'm surviving off of, off of an, eternal, an eternal weight, an eternal destiny, an eternal need. The word of God. That's what you need in the wilderness. You need a word from God. You need to get in your book. You need to get in the word because the word supersedes your feelings. Right, Because when you're feeling lonely, it's great to read a scripture that says, you know, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm not alone. He tempts him to use his authority for himself and not for the help of others. Verse 5, then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, if you be the son of God, cast yourself down for it is written, he he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. And Jesus said unto them, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now, now the enemy is wanting to show him the glory of being on the pinnacle of the temple, the top of the religious system. Verse 8, again, the devil taketh them into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if you will fall down and worship me. You see, he wants him to exercise his authority for himself not for others. And now he wants to show them the kingdoms. Here it is. This is the whole point of this message. He wants them to show him the kingdoms to show him a shortcut to the promise. Hell will tempt you with shortcuts. You, you, ever, you ever had somebody like you're working and you're working hard and, you know, God's doing good. God's providing for you. But someone says, hey, quit your job. You need to get on in this pyramid scheme. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I, I'm telling you. I, I'm telling you. You do this. You, you do this. 
I got a friend that, that, that made a million dollars in a month. You don't have to work. All you got to do, all you got to do is just make about five phone calls a day. Anybody ever heard of something like this? Raise a hand if you've heard of something like this. And so you're like, okay, all right, I'm about to make five, five phone calls a day. I'm going to do exactly what they did. Hello? I don't want it. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Hello? Stop calling me. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and by the end of the month, you got $600. And, and, and you know what they say? No, that's, that's it. That's it. But you, you said a million. I know, but 600 is good, right? Shortcuts. That's what happens in, with the promise. They say, just, 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 just pray one day, and you'll just, you'll just get everything you need. Just, just, just skip, skip one meal, and I'm telling you, you're gonna get all that you need. But, but, but it's not worth having if it's easy to get. That's what separates greatness from everything else. There's some people that are willing to pay the price. There's some people that are willing to pay the price, willing to go through the pain, willing to go through the valley to get to the promise. And others, they give up in the middle of it because of discouragement, because of loneliness, because of fear. He promises them the promised land, and the first thing he says is, by the way, there's people that are dwelling in that land. When God promises the promised land, I'm thinking I'm going to go to the promised land and this is going to be empty. I'm like, all right, yeah, we made it to the promise. I was like, oh, no, by the way, there's like uh, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, all them ites. All them ites waiting for you. They're like, hold on, God, I thought it was for me. It is for you. I gave you a sword, though, didn't I? Oh, I'm supposed to war for this? Yeah. I thought it was given to me. It is. But I gave it. Now it's up to you to possess it. And it's not worth having if it's not worth fighting for. Come on, somebody. It's not worth having if it's not worth fighting for. The process the wilderness postures you to be able to handle the blessing of God. And hell was trying to present a shortcut to Jesus. A way to get the promise without going through the cross. Without going through the crucifixion. Without going through what it takes to have permanent power. said, all these things I'll give you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said unto him, get thee behind me. Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Let's go to Matthew, Matthew 16. There's another time that Jesus says, get, get, get thee hence, Satan. And um, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 22. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, 
this shall not be unto thee. Jesus is telling them that he's going to suffer, that he's going to die. And Peter began to rebuke him, saying, now, now listen, you know you're dangerous when you're rebuking the Lord. Like What, what got into you? You, you? you rebuke. See, the wilderness will make you start rebuking the Lord. God, I rebuke this wilderness. Boy, I'm the one that put you in it. So you're going to rebuke me? Like, oh, oh, Lord, I just, you know how you try to take it back? Lord, I was just kidding with you. <laughs> Begin to rebuke him, saying, being far from thee, Lord, it shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Peter did not want Jesus to go to the cross. And when Peter, a friend, tried to get in the way of the process, Jesus called it Satan. Anything that tries to prevent you from going through the process has demonic influence. He said, get behind me, Satan, because I've got to take up a cross to accomplish this. It's going to be painful, but it's going to be needed. It's in the wilderness that it can destroy you or it can cultivate a deep worship in you. But what we've got to do is stop complaining in the wilderness. At least you're on your way to the promise. And you got to turn that murmuring and that complaining into worship. Have you, we, we've got to learn how to worship in the process. We've got to learn how to worship in the pain. We've got to learn how to worship in our despair. We've got to learn how to worship in the journey. And when you learn how to worship, there's something that's going to come out of this wilderness that's going to make you better than you've ever been. It's going to make you more powerful than you've ever been. It's going to give you more anointing than you've ever had. I remember whenever I was going through my wilderness, after I gave up my college basketball scholarships, and while I was on that, on that golf course, living paycheck to paycheck, you know, barely surviving, like I told them Wednesday when I had my sombrero on, y'all not hearing me out there. And I'm barely surviving on this golf course. And I remember as I was praying, because God told me, give up basketball, you're going to preach my gospel to the nations. I had never even preached yet. But he's telling me to give up my scholarships, my, my future. All of my friends went on to play professionally. Uh, most of them went play professionally overseas. Give up my scholarships. And my friend in South Korea is making $800,000 a year. Give up your scholarships and that future, you're going to preach my gospel to the nations. I never even touched the mic yet. I never even preached yet. But I, I knew it was a word from the Lord. So I gave it up. And I gave it up. And you know what I did the next day? I was like, God, I'm ready for your blessing. And God's like, get a job. Get 
You know, you know how when you really don't want to hear it, you just kind of keep worshiping? Give me something I want to hear. It's like Job, Job, Job. <laughs> double blessing, double blessing. <laughs> we we kind of convert it, don't we? We, we kind of hear what we want to hear, huh? It's, it's like, ooh, the Lord said he's going to bless me. No, I said, get a job. I wrote a book several years ago, and, and uh, when I wrote this, wrote this book, uh, I, I had it available at a, at a church, and uh, uh, it was called The Book of Job, Tools in the Midst of Trials, and uh, there was a precious uh, lady that came up to me and said, so, so this, is a, this is a book on how to get jobs? <laughs> I said, I said, oh, no, no. And I, I want to be kind, you know. You know what I'm saying. You know, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm trying to be sensitive here. I say, like, oh no, no. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was trying to think of a recommendation that I could give her. You know, I was like, no, no. Maybe I could write one about that one day. But this one's no. This is Job. This is this is Job. And she's kind of like, yeah. I, uh, you know. What do you do? What do you do? But she 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 didn't she didn't buy the book. She was disappointed. She just <laughs> she was like she, she was like I thought this was about jobs. You disappointed me. Next time, next time. Um, but I'm 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 in this wilderness. And, and I'm expecting God to immediately start opening up doors for me to preach the gospel to the nations. But he just says, go get a job. I, I go get this job. And I'm looking crazy, y'all. I, I lost like 15 to 20 pounds on the golf course. I looked like a skeleton. It was so, it was so bad that my, when my friends saw me, they just couldn't even believe what I looked like. They were like, boy, what happened to you? And I was just like, man, church, man. And they are like. Want a Bible study? They're like, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Uh, I, you know, they were looking at me like, bro, if, if church did that to you, I don't. I don't <laughs> like, I, I like my muscle. You lost everything, hey, amen. You just. And while I'm in this wilderness, nothing's happening. No doors opening. No, nothing's happening. And I remember God spoke to me in that wilderness, and he said, Victor, what if I never give you your promise? He said, what if I never do for you what I said I would? Would you still worship me? If it never comes to pass, would you still worship me? Or are you... Serving me from what you can get out of me. Instead of serving me for me. And there was a heart introspection that happened there. And I began to pray. And I, I remember when I was praying, I said, God, 
If you never open a door for me, if, I, if you never fulfill what you said you would, I said, Lord, Calvary was enough. The cross was enough. I'm thankful that you saved me. You don't ever have to do anything for me. You don't ever have to give me a promise. But, but because you saved me is enough, I'll sit on, I'll sit on a pew. I'll, I'll, I'll keep teaching Bible studies. I never have to touch the mic. But God, I will worship you in this process because it is your presence that is sustaining me. And God will bring every one of us to that point to try to press out what our motive is for worship. Does he have to do everything you want for you to stay faithful? Or can you worship in disappointment? Or is your love for him conditional on what he does for you? That's the test of the wilderness. It, it shows what you worship. And if you can worship him, he wants to see, can't you worship him more than you worship the promise? Can you get more excited about him? You see, now God has become in this society not enough for praise anymore. There has to be a promise attached to him. We've got to talk about promises. We've got to talk about angels. We've got to talk about supernatural visitations because God's not enough anymore. Is that not real talk? And the wilderness will try you to see what the motive is. And it'll provoke out of you a worship for him. That only belongs to him. That God, I'm worshiping not for what you do for me, but because of who you are. And the process has taught me that you are more valuable than anything that you can give me. You're more valuable than any opportunity, than any job, than any miracle, than any healing. I said, God, I, I never have to preach. I never have to preach anywhere. I, just me being saved, I'm just thankful for. And when I said that, he spoke back to me. He said, Victor, I'm going to do what I said I would do. I just wanted to see where your heart was. You passed the test. I wanted to see if you would just run back to pick up a basketball. I wanted to see if you would just run back to your old life. And if you're going to live for God with power and with faithfulness, you have to learn to worship in the middle of disappointment. You, you have to learn to be faithful in the middle of disappointment. You ever notice that when you're disappointed, disappointed you kind of start, you know, praying a little less? Kind of stop worshiping a little less? When everything's going well, like you show up, to, to, to church an hour before service. What time church start? 10? Okay, I'll be there at 9. But when you end the struggle, 11 o'clock, you show. 11.15, right? Why? Because it becomes tougher 
to enter into that place of worship when you are still waiting on God to fulfill his word. But you have to learn how to worship in the process. There was a, uh, uh, a minister that was talking about an elder, and he said God spoke to him that he was going to go to another level, and he was like, man, and God said, to go talk to this elder who, who was a prophet. Go talk to him. He's going to tell you how to go to another level. He went into the prophet's office. The prophet was praying under his desk. And as soon as he walked in, the prophet just pointed a finger at him and said, you don't enjoy the battle anymore. He said, somewhere in the process of disappointment in the battle, you've lost the joy of the Lord. If you've lost the understanding that it is a privilege to even be in the battle. That the battle is headed somewhere. And you can get worn down by it. Where it's just a struggle to have that pure, authentic worship. Can I preach to this church? You are going somewhere. You're on your way somewhere. And this process isn't to destroy you. It's to develop you. And I hear the Lord saying, tell this church that I'm going to restore unto them the joy of their salvation. Hallelujah. Everyone stand with me. God wants to give you a joy back. But the joy isn't coming from the promise. I want you to understand that. The joy isn't coming from the promise. The joy comes before the promise. The joy comes in the process. What does the Bible say? In his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So you got to learn in your wilderness to get an appreciation for his presence. And it's his presence that will give you joy to sustain you in the process. To sustain you in the suffering. To sustain you. You know what? You're not going to complain anymore. And God, and I feel this, and, and I, I've, been, I've been guilty of it. God is trying to cleanse this atmosphere from complaints. I remember whenever we first got in this building and all the stuff that was going on and all the stuff we had to fix. And it was like, my, my God, did they do anything before we got here? There was holes everywhere. Every time it rained, water came under the doors. It was just a nightmare. And I just found myself every, every week is like, okay, okay, well, that's messed up. All right, that's messed up too. All right, that's messed up. You ever been in life where it's like that? This was okay. What's it gonna be next? And all of a sudden, all, all of a sudden, my car won't start. Okay, well, well, praise God about that. Amen. And then to get my car fixed, and then her car won't start. And then we get get that fixed, and then and then I park too close on one of those little parking things, 
And then I back up, and it took like the bottom of my. <laughs> I was like, "Well, we got that." And I, every time you you heard when I drove to church. <laughs> hear me dragging. You can hear me from five miles away. <laughs> Every, everything, and and, and I, I found myself complaining and and forgetting the opportunity that we have to even be in the process, because he doesn't choose everybody to be in the process. So he just wants to cleanse your mind of the complaints, because he cannot inhabit murmuring or complaining. He inhabits the praises of his people. So we're going to replace the complaints with praise. And we're just going to worship him for who he is. So let's not get focused on the promise so much to where we get discouraged. But let's learn to worship him in the wilderness. Worship him in the process. Wave a hand if I help somebody here this morning. I feel the Holy Ghost here. Musicians can come. I want you to lift up your hands. And I, I don't want you to, to ask God for anything. I don't want you to, to ask him to do something for you. I just want you to close your eyes and lift up your hands. And I just want you to worship him for who he is. I just want you to thank him for who he is. I want you to thank him that you have the opportunity for relationship. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence. God, if you never do another thing for me, Lord, Calvary was enough. If you never do another thing for me, Lord, your presence is enough. If you never do another thing for me, God, you, you've done more than enough already. God, you put breath in my body. God, you've woken me up this morning. God, you've given me a purpose. And Lord, I'm sorry for losing sight of how faithful that you've been to me and my family. But God, I'm prioritizing your presence again. I'm prioritizing your anointing again. I'm prioritizing what you mean to me again. God, I'm offering up a pure worship. A promise doesn't even need to be attached to it. Lord, finances doesn't even need to be attached to it. Family doesn't even need to be attached to it. God, I just want to take a moment this morning to worship you in the middle of my wilderness and let you know that you're still worthy. And if you never work it out for me, you're still worthy. And if you never open a door for me, you're still worthy. And if you never come through for me in that way, God, you're still worthy. And I've come to just give you my heart in my mind, in my soul, in my spirit, and remind you that you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. I, I want you to step out of your seat. I want you to come forward. We're going to make a decision as a church today. We're going to make a decision as a church body that we're going to prioritize 
his presence. We're going to learn to worship in our wilderness. We're going to learn to worship in the wilderness. That's what we need to do. Your, your emotions have ebbed and flowed. Your emotions have gone back and forth. Sometimes you can worship. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you can have joy. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you, you're, you're, you're good and sometimes you're not because it's been predicated by your experiences and by your circumstances. But worship doesn't have to be predicated by our experiences or by our circumstances. We can still worship in the middle of our disappointment. We can still worship in the middle of our fears, in the middle of our doubts. We can still worship right in the middle of the process. I want you to join with somebody near you. And what this house is, this is a house of worship. And we're going to worship together. And we're just going to thank God for his majesty and for his grace and for his faithfulness. Come on, that's it. Just open up your mouth right now and give him glory. God, you've been good to my family. God, you've been faithful. God, you've been faithful. Your hand is on my life. Your hand is on my family. You've been a good God. You've been a faithful God. Calvary was enough. What you did for me on the cross was enough. I was a wretch and undone, Lord. Yet you took my sins upon you. By your stripes we are healed, God. You already went to everything that you went through for me, God. And I just want to take a moment to worship you for it. Come on, that's it, worship. Worship as they sing.